Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. I'm your host, Will Walden, and on this episode, we're going to be talking about NASA, their private partners, their commercial partners, small businesses. We're going to be talking about some Elon Musk stuff. We're going to be talking about other space things. And before I get into too much of that, I want to take a second to let you know about one of the best places where you can get documentaries, if you're into space, science, and tech, and humanity in general, you can go to MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod. Get really awesome documentaries streaming to any device, anytime, for free for two months. Sign up now at MagellanTV.com, MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod. I'm going to send a link real quick. Check it out. When you get a chance and sign up for two months for free. And that'll be helping me out. And it'll also help those guys out because it's a really cool, really cool thing. Now, NASA has a bunch of commercial partners. They've always had a bunch of commercial partners. They've done private business stuff since the beginning of NASA because NASA can't build everything on their own. They don't know everything. They're not experts at a lot of stuff. So NASA goes to smaller businesses sometimes. They don't always go to these giant aerospace conglomerates to build things. A lot of small pieces of the Apollo program and the space shuttle program and the ISS, small, small pieces of them were built by small businesses in and around the United States. Maybe it's a small lab someplace and they need a certain technology that only this one provider can give them. So what they do is they they award them contracts. They award these small businesses contracts, and these contracts could, in theory, make or break these small businesses. Thank you, Sarah, for that follow. I appreciate it. Now, anybody that's listened to this in the in the edited version on a podcast app, you know, on Apple or Google or you know something like that any one of those podcast apps, I talk to people in the audience. We have a chat going right now and I will comment on those things as I go along. So I just want to point that out before it sounds kind of weird, you know, because I'm just talking to some random people that, you know, uh, if you're listening to this, you think I'm talking to nobody, but I'm actually talking to people who are hanging out and uh, interacting on the live chat right now. 
So NASA hooks up these small businesses with a bunch of money sometimes because they may need certain things that these small businesses can give them, whether it's a specific, um, you know, it could be as small as a bolt. A small manufacturer could be make, could make a certain kind of bolt out of a certain kind of material that NASA really needs. So NASA had just awarded $45 million to U.S. small businesses for space tech development. And a lot of this money is going towards the new uh, lunar missions, the new Artemis missions. And they'll help land astronauts on the moon in about five years in 2024 and establish a sustainable presence of humanity on the lunar surface. So this is part of the bigger spectrum of moon to Mars. That's NASA's new thing. We have to get back to the moon so we can get the technology like ready for our trips to Mars. Now, NASA is part of a, a giant thing. It's a giant, giant business, basically. Um, not just NASA, but everything included. All these small businesses, large businesses, conglomerates, giant corporations. But NASA's focusing on these small businesses with $45 million for the Small Business Innovation Research, the SBIR, and the Small Business Technology Transfer Programs, the STTR program. So what they do, uh, what they were seeking as an intelligent rover wheel with integrated sensing and perception subsystems to improve mobility on the moon and planetary bodies. The technology could be used on Earth for autonomous tractors and other off-road vehicles. So this is one of those things where NASA, they do really cool stuff in space, but then they bring this technology back to Earth. This is stuff that we can use on the surface of our Earth here, on our actual planet. They're also looking for a laser-based mass spectrometer that could be used to search for life on other planets. And the technology could also be used for habitat air monitoring and terrain mapping. And they could do that here on Earth. A lightweight deployable solar panel that leverages recent advancements in thin film solar cell technologies. And it rolls into a compact cylinder for storage as opposed to conventional rigid solar cells. Um, so, you know, solar cells now, they're huge. And you have to transport them. They're rigid. They're big. They can break. Now, these new solar cells, they're very thin. You can roll them up into a cylinder. You transport the cylinder. You unroll them. And then you, you know, you make a structure out of them there, which is a great way to transfer things in space. You can get a lot more for your, I guess, the, get a lot more stuff in a smaller space if you roll it up. Like anything, it's like taking your towel at the beach, roll it up, it becomes very small. So thank you for those five likes, I appreciate it. Um, so now that's one thing that NASA is working on. They're also working on Hey, Stephen, how's it going? They're working on a technique to generate crater maps faster and at higher resolutions than the best manual identification efforts. This could help NASA efficiently map surface features on the moon and on Mars. 
uh, a simulation to screen, test, and validate commercial off-the-shelf hardware that could be used for high-performance computing systems. The technology could help mission managers more efficiently uh, select onboard electronics. So they're doing this in phases as well. It all just doesn't happen at once. Phase one is the opportunity to establish the scientific, technical, and commercial merit and feasibility of the proposed innovation. So phase one is, hey, we have this thing. We have this technology. We have this science. This is how we're going to use it. Phase one contracts last for six months and STTR phase one contracts last for 13 months and both with maximum funding of $125,000. The S or the uh, 363 selected proposals announced in this release are in phase one. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on here. There's a lot of money being thrown around by NASA, $45 million. That's not chump change to a small business. You know, $45 million, and this is spread out over numerous small businesses. It's not just one, you know, one mom and pop shop that's making all this money. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody who's checking out the podcast right now, by the way. Feel free to chime in anytime you want to. Feel free to chat, say, hey, what's up? Um, And we can talk about some space stuff. Talk about anything you want. Uh, Now, phase two of this is focused on the development, demonstration, and delivery of the innovation. Phase two contracts last for 24 months with maximum funding of $750,000. Only small businesses that are awarded a phase one contract are eligible to submit a proposal for a phase two funding agreement. In the latest SBIR program, phase two selections were announced in mid, uh, mid-May. Yes, the call-in segment. When we get to the end, I'll do a, I'll do a quick call-in segment. You know, Stephen, I'm kind of, <laughs> I actually spoke with uh, some people that work at Castbox, and I was like, "Hey, man, <laughs> what if someone's a freak show when they call in? What if someone does some weird stuff?" <laughs> and they were just like, "Well, we, you can't really screen them, right? You know, like this is a live show." And I said. Yeah, see, that's kind of dangerous because <laughs> you never know who's out there. So let's uh, let's uh, not you in particular. I'm just saying, you know, that it's kind of sketchy in some in some respects. There are some people out there that will just troll you. You know, then you got to hang up on them or whatever. Not a big deal. I think it'd be kind of funny. Now, phase three of this program is the commercialization of innovation technologies, products, and services resulting from phase one or phase two contract phase three contracts are funded from sources other than the SBIR and S T T R programs. Yeah, they could, it depends on, yeah, it depends on who the person is or, you know, what they do and what they say, because it's possible. I mean, I have sponsorships, so I just don't want to mess up those sponsorships by somebody saying something really outrageous. And, uh, you know, those kind of things. I just want to keep it on topic, basically. So NASA is spending a ton of money on these programs. You know, and if you're a small business and, you know, life and death of a small business is the money that you bring in. If you're a big corporation, 
you can move money around from one place to another, but a small business basically usually has one or two, three, four ways of making money, you know, a few ways to make money. And this money from NASA could be a game changer for a lot of these small businesses because it's a lot of money. Um, maximum funding for phase two is $750,000. That's almost a million dollars. That's very close to a million dollars. And if you're a small business and you can make a part for say a moon rover that nobody else can make, and they're going to give you $750,000 to make that. And you're just kind of like, okay, we're just starting out here, but we have this cool thing. That's make or break. That's going to, that's like when SpaceX got their first NASA contracts. If it weren't for those first NASA contracts, SpaceX would not be in business now. I believe Elon Musk said if they didn't get those contracts, they were going to be out of business in about, you know, within six months or something. So it was literally, if they didn't get those contracts, it was done. Now, something also that I'd like to speak about is, uh, I'd like to discuss, I should say, is uh, Jeff Bezos. He said that we need to go to the moon. There's no way that we can do Mars missions without actually going to the moon first. And he's making a moon lander. So, of course, of course, he has some skin in the game. He's making a moon lander. NASA's already checked it out. They've already announced it. It's out there. So, you know, there's, there's sort, of a, um, sort of a thing with him. You know, hey, we have this moon lander. We're going to use our technology. Maybe we'll use our rockets to get there. Who knows? Uh, but he does believe. He, <laughs> Bezos, who's that guy? That Blue Origin guy that has billions and billions of dollars. Um, so when they when they give out these contracts, you know, if NASA is giving out these contracts, somebody like Jeff and Blue Origin, uh, he's not a small business. You know, Blue Origin, I guess it would be considered a small business, you know, it's not small, small, it's medium size, but they have a ton of funding. They have billions of dollars in funding. If Jeff just goes, Hey, I'm going to cash out a bunch of my stocks in Amazon. Here's 2 billion more dollars. Bill Gates, same thing. Yep. I was, I'm there with you, man. Bill's doing philanthropy. I wish he would do space stuff. I really wish he would. That would be really cool. I think he'd be really good at it. He's kind of getting up there though. He's kind of an old guy now. Um, so I'm happy he's doing what he's doing because we need people like him on earth to do the things that people actually need. And then we have people like Jeff who are and like Elon Musk, who's younger, who can just forge forward with new technologies at a fast rate. One thing that Bill Gates has always been good at is getting people that are really good at their jobs. You know, Microsoft wouldn't have been the thing that it is. You know, I'm still using a Windows desktop right now because of the people that, um, you know, Bill Gates employed back in the day. He found talented people to do the things that he couldn't do. That's a good leader. Now, Jeff Bezos is basically saying, hey, uh, we need to go to the moon. 
because if we don't go to the moon, we won't be able to get to Mars. And that is scary. Because if this moon mission doesn't happen in 2024, if something happens and Congress goes, eh, you know, we're not going to give you the money, man. We don't believe in your project. Then the whole moon mission, the new moon mission for 2024 is scrapped. And therefore, we can't go to Mars with this program. The moon to Mars program would be cut in half, would be destroyed. And when we were going to go to Mars, you know, in the 2030s, that's pretty soon. No joke, 2024 is five years away. We have to make that deadline to get to the moon. So we have the technology to get to the red planet of Mars. In order to make new technologies for another planet, for Mars, we need to develop those technologies on another body in our solar system. And the closest one to us is the moon. It's the easiest place to get to. Doesn't take that long. Doesn't take many resources to get there. And we can fine tune all of our technologies on the surface of the moon before we launch human beings to the surface of Mars. That's why these small businesses are important. Because without them, NASA wouldn't have, you know, rover wheels. They wouldn't have solar cells that they could fold up and roll into tubes. And those things are going to be important because we need to save space on rockets that are sending things to Mars. Not only people, but sending things to Mars. Because we'll be sending habitats to Mars before our people get there. Now, if we send people there, they have to have some place to live. They have to have some, some form of energy when they get there. Because everything's going to be solar. They don't have gas on Mars that we know of. They won't be able to refine things into gas and have a gas vehicle. They're going to have to rely on solar vehicles, solar panels to heat their homes when they live there. They're going to have to, you know, to to have the machines run, to have the computers run. They need solar power. So these solar panels that roll up into tubes are very important to the future of humanity branching out into our solar system. Um, so that small business that's going to be building those, not only is it going to help, you know, transport things on Earth, because these big rigid panels that are solar panels right now, uh, they're not the best thing to move around. And if you can send them up in a spaceship to another planet, you have proven that you can do it on Earth as well. So that will more than likely change the industry of the, the solar industry as far as, uh, as far as deployment of the solar panels goes. So small businesses, NASA always work together. They always work together, little things here and there. Also scientists have discovered table salt on Jupiter's moon Europa. This comes from the next web. And it's one of those worlds that is possible that it's going to be habitable. Um, 
Voyager 1 checked it out a long time ago in 1979. And it's, you know, it's possible that there's some good water. Let's just say that some good water on Europa. Uh, so let's get into this a little bit. Scientists believe, and I'm reading this right from the next web, scientists believe that hydrothermal circulation within the ocean, this is the ocean of uh, Europa, possibly driven by hydrothermal vents, might naturally enrich the ocean in sodium chloride vehicle, uh, via chemical reactions between the ocean and rock. On Earth, hydrothermal vents are thought to be a source of life, such as bacteria, Plumes emanating from the south pole of Saturn's moon, uh, which has a similar ocean, have been found to contain sodium chloride, making both Europa and Celadus even more enticing targets for exploration. So on Earth, we have vents in the ocean. And they spew out stuff. Lots of bacteria there. So when we're looking for life on other planets, on other I should say other worlds, not just planets. Something like a moon of Jupiter, Europa, Enceladus, they're good targets. They're really good targets. We have to drill down. We have to dive. We have to find these things when we get there. And moon missions, they give us the technology to do that. I don't mean to keep coming back to this moon mission, but it's true. Those things are true. If we study things on the moon, if we study things in other worlds, you know, as far as deployments of new technologies, we need to know those things. We need to know how to drill when we're not in the gravity well of Earth. So if you're on this small moon, Europa, you need to know how to drill into the ocean underneath and send probes down there. What's up, Peter? So that is really cool table salt basically on Europa I'm not going to put any of that table salt in any of my food I'm sure it's contaminated with all sorts of weird stuff it's like one of those you know it turns into a sci-fi movie a horror sci-fi movie like aliens <laughs> like you know you're just eating some food with your European uh, table salt all of a sudden you're infested with a crazy alien that pops out of your stomach. I, I'm sure if they get sodium chloride from one of these moons, Europa or Enceladus, it would be worth a lot of money. Why don't we go get the diamonds that rain on Jupiter? I know, right? Think about that. How cool would that be? You know, other planets have really crazy stuff. You know, like there's asteroids out there that are made of gold. There's cores of planets that are made of all sorts of crazy metals. Why don't we just go get them? And that leads you to the question of, okay, what kind of technologies do we need to go get them? You know, do we just send a, you know, send a rover up there with a, with a shovel? But we have to have a return mission. So we need to have some sort of rover. And that's why all these things are important. Like all the missions to, the, to Mars, to any other planet right now, are very important because 
when it comes time to get materials off other planets, say if we need, if we run out of platinum, and we need platinum for a lot of things. What if we run out of gold? We need gold for CPUs. We need for computers, things like that. Where do we get it once we run out of it on Earth? We have to go someplace else. So all of these asteroid missions that are, you know, they seem kind of silly. You know, when you're just thinking about them, you're like, oh, cool. Uh, you know, probe went and like flew around an asteroid. Okay, like that's cool. And I don't, uh, I think it's amazing that they do that. But some people just kind of look at it and go, okay, that's cool that they sent a little robot out to that asteroid and it, like went around it and good day, Blake. And, you know, these probes touch down on asteroids. But it's super important that we have those things. Because maybe someday when Earth needs it and when we need it, Earth would not last long to need things from other planets. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, if if we don't make it, <laughs> we're not even going to need those other things. You're right. Thanks, Peter, for those five likes. Um, if you're if you're enjoying the show, make sure to like it. Make sure to follow. And if you really, really like it, send along some stars because that really does help fund uh, new stuff and help me continue doing this every single day. So, yeah, if we need to go to other planets or other rocky moons or if we have to go to asteroids or something like that to make sure that we are sustained on earth that's kind of sketchy you know to build up our resources but it's i think it's going to happen eventually probably not in my lifetime you know i'm 40 years old and i'm 43 to be exact but you know within 40 years you know people generally live till about 70 or 80 years old um i probably won't see that i might see a uh maybe a rover on an asteroid that might be kind of cool but i don't think it's going to be a rover so to speak i think it's going to be more of a, a spacecraft that touches down grabs stuff and then brings it back to earth but also when you're on mars and you don't have the stuff that you have on earth and an asteroid's flying by and there could be a mission to go to this asteroid get stuff and take it to our people on mars is that feasible you know, it's feasible. It, it, we have the technology to do things like that, uh, but they're building it up slower and slower, you know, like little by little, tiny bit every single day. And that little, uh, little asteroid out there that has tiny spacecraft zipping around it, that's important because those technologies that they're using now to do those observations and to, to grab that little bit of soil or a little bit of rock or ice, icy dust balls off of those asteroids, that's going to come into play in the future. All that technology is going to work for the benefit of humanity as we travel through space. Um, just to, like that stuff didn't exist until recently. Within the last 10 years, you know, people didn't think it was possible to do those things. But now it is. Now we can. Now we can send more missions. And that's exciting. Like, that's absolutely crazy that we can do those kinds of missions. 
Uh, there's another one coming up soon. And I can't remember where it is, but there's another, um, another mission coming, going to an asteroid soon, I believe. You know what else is cool, though, before I get into asteroids and stuff more, is that a solar sail is going to be flying soon. Another one, Carl Sagan solar sail. And this is uh, light sail two. And it's going to orbit around Earth. It's a tiny satellite. Um, let's see. It's about the size of like a loaf of bread. Yeah, about the size of a loaf of bread. And it's going to power its journey through solar photons. It's going to get a little like a gentle push. It's kind of like the wind on the ocean. It's going to get that. Thank you for those four likes, Blake. What's the point to land on an asteroid? Um, I'm gonna, I'll get back to that one second, but I want to tell you about the solar sail. But I will get back to that question. This uh, the solar sail is going to, <clears throat> it's going to fly in space. It's going to unfurl, and it will be pushed by the power of the sun, and hopefully. This will lead to a new generation of spaceflight, which will be easier to send cargo um, to other planets. So as opposed to something like a big, you know, a big rocket that's strapped to the back of whatever they're pushing to a planet, they can have a solar sail in the front, catch the sun rays. It's very lightweight. It's not going to blow up solar sail. I mean, it'll get there eventually. That's the thing. It's like slow transportation. It's not as fast, but it's definitely worth it as far as uh, weight is concerned. Um, now, this is from the Planetary Society from Bill Nye, the science guy. 40 years ago, my professor Carl Sagan shared his dream of using solar sail spacecraft to explore the cosmos. The Planetary Society is realizing the dream. Thousands of people from all over the world came together and supported this mission. We couldn't have done it without them. Carl Sagan and his colleagues, Bruce Murray and Lewis Friedman, created our organization to empower people everywhere to advance space science and exploration. We are go for launch. So that is going to be pretty cool. Right, right. Yeah, asteroids are resources. Resources only. Mainly. As far as we know. I mean, because we're not sure. Because we're not, I mean, we're literally not sure. Who knows? Is there a tardigrade on an asteroid? Tardigrades can pretty much last through everything. We have no idea. I always go back to the, the idea of Pluto. Like, for the longest time, we just thought it was just some stupid rock. You know, it's like, oh, cool. It's like this little, little planet. You know, we thought it was a planet, planetoid, small planet. But now we know it's pretty awesome because we sent a, a uh, craft to it recently. So if you're looking at asteroids and you're thinking, okay, these are just, they're made of these certain things and there's nothing in them. I always say, what if, 
with the amount of satellites and other things orbiting the Earth, do you think a collision is possible during a launch? I think it's possible. Um, NASA and other organizations monitor space debris satellites very regularly, and they time their launches to miss everything. Um, and space is big. You know, there's a ton of stuff out there, but space is huge. So a small rocket, I mean, as far as I'm, you know, as far as the, the size of a rocket compared to the Earth, um, a rocket's are pretty small. And satellites are smaller than rockets. But there's a ton of them. Let me see how many satellites. I'm just going to look this up because I'm not exactly sure. Number of satellites. I'm not exactly sure how many there are in orbit right now. Number of satellites in orbit. Mechanical keyboard, tapity tap. 8,378 objects have been launched into space. Currently, 4,994 are still in orbit, although seven of them are in orbit around celestial bodies other than the Earth. So, about 5,000 satellites right now, which it's crazy. Like, that seems like a lot. Let's see what it looks like. Hold on a second. So getting into this sort of topic, you know, how much space is in between each one of these satellites? And also, what other satellites are up there that we don't really know about? Because, I mean, I, I don't want to get into, like, crazy conspiracy theories or anything. But things are launched all the time without public knowledge. And those are the things that are top secret that we don't know about and we never will. But uh, those, they're probably up there and like nobody really knows exactly. I mean, I'm sure they track satellites or launches and things, but um, exactly where they are, pinpoint them, there are ways to do that. So yeah, there's, so there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff up there. <laughs> but they do track it and they do make sure that they don't hit it when they launch, but things can happen. You know, things can happen. There's always anomalies, you know, things are small too, in comparison, you know, certain radars can't pick up X amount of space. So say if there's a micro meteorite that's flying in the direct path of a launch, and we don't know about it because it's small. And what happens if, you know, the micrometeor, dink, right off the side of a satellite as it's launching, you know, could, could rip through a rocket. It's possible. Those things are really possible. Space is crazy. Space is terrifying. There's a lot of junk up there. That's not just our junk. Thank you, Naomi, for that follow. How are you doing today? Yeah, secret monitoring satellites to the government is shady. Yes, I agree. Those kind of things are shady. Um, you know, as far as as far as human rights go and privacy goes, um, we're all being watched right now. Like, there's no doubt about it. The government has satellites that are as powerful as Hubble, but pointed at us. It's truth. So I'm not going all Alex Jones on you that you're being watched all the time, brothers, brothers and sisters, watch out. 
No, it's not like that. It's the truth. The, you know, our government has satellites and uh, spacecraft out there that are pointing at us and pointing at the earth that are as powerful as Hubble, but focused on, you know, things as opposed to space, focused on the earth as opposed to space. So, yeah, they can't avoid collision. Yep. But there's a lot of unpredictability, you know, and the, but there's not a lot. I shouldn't say a lot. I should say there is an amount of danger that goes into every launch. And that's part of it that there's a possibility like meteor could be, you know, size of a, a baseball, you know, even a, a golf ball and the size of a golf ball could rip through a rocket and the rocket can't do anything about it. You know, as long as it's above the atmosphere and the, the golf ball size thing doesn't burn up in our atmosphere first, then that thing could absolutely destroy a rocket because the speed of that thing. Yeah. The size of a P exactly like a pebble can go through the ISS, you know, if it hits it right and with the right, you know, um, the right velocity and the right, you know, angles and things like that. But it's, it's a possibility. I'm not saying it happens, not saying it has happened, but it is a possibility. And, you know, the ISS is built so it can withstand things like that. It has Kevlar, it has other materials in it that stop things like that from actually happening and like piercing it. And so do some rockets, you know, um, but it's, Hey, Naomi, how's it going? Um, but the thing is, it is, a, it's a thing. It can happen. You know, it doesn't have to be on purpose. It doesn't have to be one of our things. It could be one of the billions and billions of objects in the sky. Um, now, that being said, I am really excited about a launch that I'm possibly going to in November. SpaceX is launching back to the ISS from U.S. soil in their crew dragon capsule. They're launching U.S. astronauts. And my plan as a broadcaster is to go to that launch live video, live audio, basically news crew it up. I have a homie that's said, cool, I'll go with you. So I got a cameraman. He's actually like a video producer. Uh, great cameraman. Um, works in Hollywood kind of thing, you know, works, works in that. I will put it on YouTube. Um, here's my YouTube channel. If you want to subscribe right now, the YouTube channel is basically, uh, rundowns and replays of these podcasts. So there's the, the, uh, YouTube channel. Imagine if a screw ruins the next moon mission. Yeah. What is my experience and background in this field? Um, I'm just a common person. <laughs> like I'm a amateur astronomer. Um, I have been absolutely fascinated with space travel and space for my whole life. Been studying it amateurishly my whole life. Um, I had a website, space news or space industry news.com. Sorry. I mispronounced because I, I always say space news pod now space industry news.com, which, um, I reported on so many things. 
on that. And eventually uh, we got up to a million views on that site. So I was really pumped about that. And actually, you know what, on this podcast, I'm going to like on the regular podcast, not on the live one, the live one's different than the, the toned down one, but on the downloads, we've had over 116,000, almost 117,000 downloads of the space news pod. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, that's about it. You know, like I'm not classically trained. I didn't go to school for it, but I have a passion for it. And I always have ever since I was a little kid, ever since the first time I was like, I was a little kid and I saw moon missions, the Apollo missions. And it was absolutely stunning and amazing to me. So ever since then, everything I could get my hands on. So, um, Tesla wants to send thousands of satellites to bring free internet to the entire world for a hand. It'll be amazing to improve our communication, but on the other hand, the satellites don't help to see and study the Milky way. Rudy. Thank you, Blake. Appreciate it. Thanks, Armin. You seem well-educated and informative to be an amateur. Thank you. Well, I will take that as a huge compliment. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I don't have any classical training. Never went to school for it. Just studied a lot, you know, on my own time. Been fascinated with it. Um, thank you for those five likes, Christina. Um, so the constellation, those satellites... Um, the internet satellites that they're sending up, SpaceX is sending up, is that there are a lot of them. Thank you for those five likes, I mean, Appreciate it. You save my hour and a half drive to work every day. Yes. Awesome, Blake. That's awesome. That's what I'm here for. Those satellites will be beaming fast internet to rural places. And when I say rural, I mean these people have no chance of getting internet for the next X amount of years because cable companies, internet companies don't want anything to do with them because they're not going to make any money off them. So what SpaceX is doing is giving kind of, you know, at a decent price satellite internet to anybody anywhere, but it's going to be, it's not going to be in big cities as much. It's going to be in rural areas. So places like, I live in the middle of a forest. I'm in upstate New York. It's beautiful. Blue skies, blue water, absolutely amazing. Pine trees everywhere. Internet signal sucks <laughs> about five miles from my house. I luckily live in a town where we have great internet. My sister who lives five miles up the road over a hill, she has to get Verizon hotspot. And it's, Dreadful, dreadful for her. So somebody like her, she will benefit from this. Somebody like, you know, someplace in rural China, if it's going to be allowed to be used in China. Uh, farmers, you know, people like that who would love to have the information available to, available to them at all times on a fast connection will be able to use the service to do everything that we can do already. You know, stream things, read things, study things, anything that uh, we want to do. So that's going to be amazing. But she has to commute sometimes when she just moved in, she came down here all the time and used our Wi-Fi. <laughs> I think when we get universal free Wi-Fi is the day we lose our privacy. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, right. We don't have any privacy already. <laughs> that's the, that's the horrible thing about it. You know, you're using your phone all the time and everything you do on your phone is kind of tracked and monitored. Uh, not so much as they know exactly what you're saying all the time, just kind of who you're contacting when you're contacting them. And there's a, there's a log of everything you've ever said on your phone, unless you delete it. Right. That's what I'm saying too. Who wants to know about, no, I don't have any secrets. Like, it's not a big deal. Like I just do this podcast and I do my work and I have a family life, you know? So it's not that like, I'm pretty boring. (laughs) Uh, The Mexican president actually negotiated with Zuckerberg to bring internet signal to the entire country. Bye-bye privacy. Uh, Satellites can be used for incredible things. They can find people. Yeah. Yeah. They can be used for great things. Uh, these these kind of inf- like these kind of um, situations where you know if there's a satellite signal if there's GPS signal if there's an internet signal somebody could save somebody's life because of it somebody needs information like you know somebody's choking and you're like does anybody know the Heimlich maneuver can somebody save this guy nobody has the information look it up real quick and then that you have the opportunity you have the chance to save somebody's life because of it. If you have the time, of course. Um, saying NASA was falling short on funds for the next launch, do you think Elon Musk will offer some funding? Um, well, the thing is, it's for the lunar launch. So you can donate to NASA. There's a way to do it. I actually covered it a while ago, a long time ago, a couple of years ago. But there is a, there's a link you can use to send money to NASA. Um, how they appropriate those funds is up to them. Now, Congress was going to, you know, they need about $30 billion to get to the moon by 2024. And they've actually asked Congress for about $1.5 billion to get this all started, to get to the first phase of the next moon landing. And Congress said, nah, sorry, you're not going to get any money, not yet. So, NASA needs $30 billion to do this mission. They don't have it. And we don't know if they're going to get it by the time they launch. Um, Hopefully they do. And hopefully we get to the point where we can just kind of say, okay, we're just going to do this. Not going to worry about funding because just give them 30 billion bucks, man. Just, the defense budget is $720 billion, somewhere around there. $720 billion for the defense budget. You know, maybe you could cut down on that a little bit. Cut down on the defense budget a little bit. Send us back to the moon. How great would it be, you know, if we want unity and we want people to come together? That's what the Apollo missions did more than anything. It kind of made us all one it all, we were all just a small piece of this thing, but the moon landings, the original moon landings, the Apollo missions were a way to unite humanity, a way to kind of put aside differences for a second and stop fighting and go, holy crap, this is amazing. We are like, we're touching a heavenly body for the first time. And if the administration and Congress wants to say, you know, we want this money for something else, Uh, They don't have the future of humanity in mind. 
because everybody that saw the moon landings and everybody that saw the space shuttle and everybody that saw all the cool stuff that was happening in space got excited about science, started thinking about things that weren't just right there in front of them, but thinking in a bigger perspective. And that's what we could do again. And when we send people back to the moon and even if it takes another, what, 2030, I think it's what, 2070, there will be in a pretty decent place with Mars. Um, if we don't get back there by then, uh, that's fine. You know, it might take us some time to get there, but as long as we get there, as long as we make people excited about science, technology, you know, the whole STEM field and the arts, then I think that's the most important part. The technologies that come from this, super important. The jobs that come from it, super important. But in general, as a broader thing, the ability to advance humanity with imagination. Yeah, we can get off our planet, Peter. We can we could literally leave our planet. We have people that have been off planet floating around in the ISS for months. We can study other planets, or other, I should say other worlds. That's a Carl Sagan thing too, because you can't say everything is a planet when it's not a planet. You have to say a world. It sounds better. We can study other worlds by stepping on them. We can study other worlds by exploring them, taking a shovel and digging into them. We can drill into the surface of another world and see what it's made out of. We can pick up a rock and look underneath it and see if there's any little critters down there. If there's a, a spider or if there's bacteria or if there's another life form on another heavenly body, we can do that. We can step off of our world and onto another one. And that's what's important about the missions of all, not just NASA, but all spacefaring societies. You, you stand on another world and you look back, back at your own and you think of things as what's important. Not much. Why do we fight these wars? Why do we destroy each other. It's not worth it. Why don't we all get along and why don't we all help each other out? That's what it's all about. And that's what these missions are all about. Would life on other worlds have DNA? Ooh, I don't know. Is that possible? I think that's possible. Anything's kind of possible. You know, with that kind of stuff, I would think there's certain sort of criteria, right, that we have to have in order to to live here in order to create some sort of being here on earth. We need carbon, right? We need carbon based life. That's what we are. We need certain things in order to make our DNA and in, in order to make the things that make us, us and things that make bacteria, bacteria, 
single cell, everything needs certain things. But is that on other worlds? There are some things that are on other worlds that are here and that it's possible in this timeline that we live in that maybe, just maybe, those things on the other worlds kind of are sort of like us. They would have DNA. Now, would it be a different DNA than us, though? It would probably be different than us. I, I think I'm not in t I'm not that well versed, and I'm going to be the first one to say this. If I don't know something, I'm not going to tell you about it. I don't know anything about DNA as far as space life goes, so I'm just speculating here. Um, but I would assume it would be different than ours because they're different, like they have different circumstances, different gravity, different distance from the sun. different, you know, different powers, you know, like their power supply may be the gravity of a planet. So something may have shifted somewhere. I'm not exactly sure. I'll have to talk to somebody about that because that would be very interesting. I'd like to have somebody um, from the sciences get on here and talk about it. Um, if they colonize the moon, would you be willing to live there? Red? Yeah, exactly. Rad resistance. Yep. To put on the rad suit. You don't need that rad suit on. Um, would I be willing to live on the moon? I'd be willing to visit the moon. I don't know if I'd want to live there. That would be that would kind of suck. <laughs> it would kind of, like I, as much as I love exploration of science and and science and you know uh, space exploration, I wouldn't want to live on the moon. How bad would it suck if you had to be in a suit all day, like a, a moon suit or a radiation suit, so you don't get ratted out? That would suck. And then you'd have, like, you couldn't take your helmet off. You couldn't breathe fresh air. There's no such thing as fresh air. There's no trees. You have to live in a dome, have to live in a, in a bubble. And you couldn't go outside that bubble or you would die immediately. You know, that would kind of suck. But living on the moon would be fun, I think, to a certain extent, too, because you get to do things that no one else would be able to do ever. You know, I've done some things in my life that a lot of people haven't done. You know, I've, these are like small, small things in comparison to some of the great giant things that astronomers and, you know, scientists have done. But like, to me, people that I've talked to are like, what, you really did that? Like I took a solo trip from New York to California in a car. To me, that was fun. That was great. That was amazing. And some people are like, how could you do that? You're, you're nuts. And I'm like, well, it's just one of those things that I wanted to do, so I just did it. Now, if I were to... Solar trip would be awesome. Yeah, if I could do a Tesla trip from New York to California. No, I just drove a regular car. I drove my car. Just like, I'm just going to California this summer, so I'm just going to go. Oh, solo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Solo. One person, one person trip. <laughs> but if I could do it with all solar energy with the Tesla, it would be way better. I would do that. What if I could get Tesla to sponsor me to go to a SpaceX launch and have them supply me with a car and I document it all the way to the SpaceX launch in Florida when they send astronauts back to the ISS from U.S. soil on a U.S. rocket in a U.S. built pod 
Mm, there we go. Maybe I will send them that proposal. Could we solve the overcrowded prison system? Yeah, stop, uh, stop busting people for stupid stuff. Stop sending people to jail for 15 years for having a little bit of weed on them. <laughs> like, yeah, that's how we could fix it. That's all we need to do. That's probably like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so much stuff. Change the legislation, stop police, you know, harassment, brutality. Those are the things that we need to do. We need to think about, um, you know, the, what's really important, you know, you can send people to space. Yeah, there we go. Over, <laughs> We'll just get a prison system and under the prison, we'll put rockets, right? We'll send them to prison. It's kind of like, a, okay, you're, this is a temporary home for you. And then we'll launch the whole prison into space. <laughs> See ya, buddy. <laughs> you're coming back in 20 years. There's no way you're getting off that thing. Yeah. And the thing, like, it's funny, you know, like there's certain things that you need to need to really back up. You know, if someone's a violent person, okay, I get it. I get it. Don't have them out in public because they're possibly going to harm somebody, you know, then send them to prison, send them to jail. They might not be reformed. They might not be able to be reformed. You know, I don't know how that works. I'm not an expert in that field. So if they can't be reformed, then, you know, maybe that's where they have to be or to send about to Australia. <laughs> we'll start it over again. We'll put them in like the craziest part of Australia, though, where not many people live. And then, <laughs> and then maybe like, you know, get the people out of there that are nonviolent. nonviolent people can go to someplace else that isn't a prison. You know, it's like, okay, why don't we teach these people how to live in a normal society, teach them, you know, how things work and rehabilitate them. That would make more sense. Wouldn't it? Instead of a punishment, we fix them. So that makes Everybody's different, you know, and it would be a very difficult process, but it's also one of those things where like some people get scared straight. Some people go to prison and they, I've had friends actually go to prison and they went in there as complete screw ups and maybe, you know, when they get out or when they did get out, not maybe when they did get out, they were fine. Yeah, change them into with a few issues into angry alienated criminals. Exactly, they may have some sort of disorder. Yeah, they may need medical attention. You know, they may need to be looked at by a professional, and they may need medication to kind of you know even them out or therapy or something like that. So there, it's a it's a long process, and I'm sure that you know prison systems are. I've never been in prison. Don't ever want to be in prison. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how they work, but it seems like a pretty brutal place. 
Yeah, let's do, you know, I got a, I got time for one call, one or two calls. So let me turn it on real quick. If you want to call, go ahead. We'll see how this works out. I've never done this before. So let's see how this works. I have some friends. Yeah, me too, man. Chris, I'm the same way. I've got a, I got a few buddies in lockup. Yeah, if you guys want to call in, make it short, you know, one of those like, hey, what's up? Question. First time caller, long time listener. <laughs> I've never done this, so this could be a train wreck. Um, so <clears throat> also if you are interested in checking out replays of this or, um, checking out the regular podcast, you can download it on any, um, oops, on any platform that you want to listen to it and you can go there, check that out. Spacenewspod.com. There's a couple places to listen. There's also playlists of all the episodes. If you want to listen to every single episode I've ever done, 235, 240 or something episodes of this thing. So, yeah, check check that out. Um, there's every episode available is on that page. 200, almost 250 episodes. We have... And I'm, I'm always honest with everybody. You know, I want everyone to be part of this. And this is a, a big community of people that are fascinated by the things that we don't know and trying to learn the things that we don't know. So, you know, uh, this is all, we're all together in this. And, you know, like I said before, I've had about 117,000 downloads of this podcast, 230, um, 235 episodes or so, something like that. You can also go to this page and it has, you know, it has a lot of different other ways that you can go to the show. Need some decals made so I can stick them in my truck. You know, man, I've been thinking about merch. Um, so I, I came up with this idea uh, this morning. And I have these little icons that I've used for, uh, for YouTube and Twitch and stuff. And it's like a little astronaut guy and there's like a little rocket. Um, so I was going to make those into t-shirts, which is pretty, you know, it's a pretty straightforward process. Um, anyone can order them anywhere they want to. It's going to make stickers. I was going to also make, um, so NASA, every mission that NASA has, they have little emblems they have little icons for them and they have patches made right so each one of these patches you can download them for free and it's all open source because it's a nasa thing i was thinking about putting those on stickers so you could get them and you know you could you could add them to your collection yeah and blake you can i could do it with um you know there's ways for me to do it it's like a per sticker order not like no batches you know what I'm saying? So I can have somebody else make all the stuff. And then once somebody makes an order, it's made to order. So I don't have to stock anything. I don't have to spend a bunch of money on it. So if somebody orders a t-shirt, like a $25 t-shirt, um, 
then I make, you know, seven bucks or something like that. So, which, you know, it's not ideal. It's not as much money as I could make it if I did them myself. But to me, it's more about getting people excited about the fun stuff. You know, like, hey, I'm going to wear this cool shirt. Like, I have a couple of NASA shirts that I bought at Target, you know, <laughs> and I wear them around like a nerd. I have one that says Space Camp on it. I'm a 40-year-old man with a Space Camp t-shirt. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> so that's the, that's the kind of thing, you know, I want people to get excited Right. Every one sticker can be attempt to scratch. It could, or, you know, and that's the other thing too. Like I want to put them on my cars and I want to, I just want to have, like, I want people to have fun doing this. It's not all, let's get to the news. I'm a talking head. I'm just going to tell you the news every day. And that's kind of what the podcast was for a long time. And every time I'm just going to say this, like every time you guys listen to an episode of the um, podcast, not live, like the recorded versions, um, the advertising money that, you know, the advertisers that are on there that I talk about, uh, they give me a little bit of money every time you guys listen to them. So all the money that goes into those, from those ads into me, basically, you know, buys me coffee so I can stay awake for the podcast. And also, um, gives me a little bit of money so I can buy, like, I just bought this new microphone because of it. So, I mean, I got a road, a beautiful, amazing, amazing microphone because of the support of people that listen to the show. Thank you, Armin, for that coffee. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Chris, for that five likes. Um, I have a Patreon too, and that seems to help a little bit. I'm going to post that just, um, I haven't really been doing that much with it. Um, but just so you guys know it's out there. Now, also, very important. I want you to know about one of my supporters, uh, Magellan TV. Naomi, how's it going? MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod. I'm going to post a link here. These people are awesome. You can get amazing space documentaries for free for two months. They give it all my listeners two months for free and really cool stuff. Really cool docs. So I watch uh, birth of a black hole battle for the moon. Which one did I also start the age of Hubble? All these nerdy science ones. There's a whole science genre. And after the two months for free, you can do it for as little as uh, $4.99 per month. Check it out, MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod. And I'm also going to link to that in the show notes of the show once it goes up on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, etc. So uh, those are the ways that you can help out if you want to. You know, sign up for a, a Magellan TV sub. And that will really help. Patreon really helps because that's more like that's money coming in every month that I can put forward to say like the travel that I'm going to be doing in November. That stuff costs a lot of money, you know, and I'm doing this. This is basically my job. And I'm going to like, again, I want to be honest with you guys. I was a web developer for 15 years, front-end web developer. I still do little gigs here and there, 
but I'm focusing on this podcast because I think it's more important than any, any website I'll ever build any app I'll ever build. This is way more important. So I'm focusing on this. This is my livelihood. Now I have a little bit of money saved up. Um, every ad dollar goes directly to help me fund this and fund myself doing real life stuff. Um, I guess so, Steven, I guess I am. I make money doing it. I guess that's the way it works, right? Can you make a living? Not a very good one. <laughs> you can, but right now it's not, it doesn't, it pays the bills, right? So it pays the bills. Uh, but it, I'm not rolling in cash, man. I'm telling you this right now. Like every episode basically buys me a coffee and, um, you know, like a little bit of, of money that you put aside, right? So it pays the bills and a coffee. At the end of the at the end of the month, I'm living, I'm good, I'm okay, and that's why I was saying like every episode you guys listen to at spacenewspod.com, like every episode it's basically money so I can keep doing this and not have a real job where I can't focus on this because I I did web development I did app development for 15 years, and I literally at the end of that time I was just like I don't want to do this anymore. Not a midlife crisis, nothing like that, nothing crazy. It's just like, what? What am I getting out of this? I basically make an apps for people that, you know, they uninstall the app or whatever. And like, am I helping anybody? No, I'm not helping anybody. What am I doing? I'm just making a paycheck. It's not satisfying. It's not gratifying. And literally, you got seventy years. I passed halfway. I passed halfway to 70 years and 15 of those years were, of course I built some stuff that people really loved, but at the end of the day, I want to inspire people. I want to inspire people to think bigger than them. That's what's the most important thing to me. A lot of people can do the paycheck to paycheck thing, be the cog in the machine, but I can't do it. It's not me. Right. And that's the cool thing about CastBox, too. They allow this live thing to happy happen. Right? So their technology is allowing us to have these discussions, which is absolutely amazing. Are you really 90 years old? But if you are... That's amazing. If you're just if you're just trolling, that's cool too. <laughs> I did have a I did have a realization, Peter. It was one of those like, uh, you know, what what is the what is not like the meaning of, and what's the purpose? I guess you know what's my purpose. My purpose has always been to excite people about things. Hello, Naomi, again. Um, so, you know, get people excited about different things. And I was an athlete for a while. I traveled a lot. I got a, people inspired to do athletic things, physical things. And I can't do that anymore. My body's destroyed from it. Not destroyed, but it's, you know, it's broken. Um, so it's like, 
I can do something else. I can do something great. And hopefully, you know, everybody else, you know, somebody else, maybe one person gets into the field of, you know, STEM and they get excited about space travel and they, they look more into it and they expand their mind a little bit. They learn a little bit. That's the whole reason for me to do this. And this is not about me though. This is all about everybody else. Thanks Blake. I appreciate it, man. See, I did Twitch too. I did Twitch. Um, I was working full time and I was doing Twitch at night, like three days a week, uh, playing games and like doing the whole broadcaster thing. So that really helped out with doing podcasting. Yeah. So, uh, PUBG, little, little tiny bit of Fortnite. Um, I played rust. <laughs> rust is crazy. I don't know if you know about rust, but, uh, if you're into no man's sky, dude, no man's sky is crazy too. I don't have it anymore. I was one of those people, um, you know, no man's sky came out and the first, you know, whatever week people were doing the refund thing. And I was like, I'm done. Like, I can't play this game because I, they, they said, okay, you can play with your friends on other worlds. And I was like, that's all I wanted. I wanted to go hang out with my friends on other planets and stuff. I heard it's really good now, but I gave it back and I, you know, I returned it and they gave me my money back. And then I bought something else with that money. I think I bought PUBG with it. So I'm a beast at Fortnite. Oh, nice. I'm not that good at Fortnite. I, the first time I played it, I got a win because I was playing PUBG a lot, but that's before anybody knew how to build. <laughs> so I was just good at shooting. <laughs> so I was just like, I was just beat a regular normal guy. That wasn't that good. It was just me versus him. And he was above me and I just shot him like shot him in the feet, I think. And I, <laughs> it was pretty funny. And I was like, Oh, this game's easy. <laughs> but it seems pretty cool. Now I might redownload it. I was a big into the battlefield series and, um, you know, those kind of shoot 'em up games, but, um, you know, I, my whole life isn't space and science and tech. I have, you know, family stuff. Um, you know, I have real life stuff. I don't, you know, spend 20 hours a day doing this. Not all about sweating, <laughs> sweaty tryhards, right? <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. The same thing with PUBG. There's so many ways to be good at it, and that's one of my one of my games right there is PUBG. Uh, I might start up my Twitch channel again just for the heck of it, just for the fun of it, and like do a little bit of stuff here and there. Um, and that's what is my Twitch channel? Twitch.tv. I mean, you can follow if you want to, but I rarely go on Twitch now. Here's the link to it. that's the link to my Twitch, but I rarely go on it. Uh, I might start doing live streams to my Twitch channel of this podcast. And I might actually start doing live YouTube shows with a video. That's the next step. I got to get it all set up though, because um, I have to get my camera set up right. And I, you know, I'm in my, in my living area here. I broadcast literally out of my bedroom, not a big production. And so it's like, if I put a camera on my face, you see my bed, my bed's in the background, you know, it's like, eh, that's weird, <laughs> but I have a professional studio, 
you know, like I have sound dampening on the walls. I have road equipment. I have a computer that kicks butt. I have everything that you need in a regular studio, but I want to make it into like a video thing too. Face cams are overrated. I agree sometimes, but I think as far as YouTube goes and as far as like a podcast goes, I think it's nice to see the people talking. Like me personally, but I, I also want to stream it just for the heck of it, just to have it up there. Naomi, do you have, um, would you like to ask a question, Naomi? About space, science, or tech? So yeah, everybody that's here now, thank you so much for all the support. Just being here, like this is another thing, and I'm going to kind of break it down for everybody. Um, when people listen on this platform, it's an easier way for me to go like, hey, a live astrology video, like, like go get my palm read or something. Or like, thank you for that follow, Sam. I appreciate it. Oh, astronomy. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, that would be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. Um, I was thinking of, we have a dark sky site near me, about 45 minutes south. And I thought it would be kind of cool to go to the site and do like a live broadcast from there. That'd be pretty cool. But then it would get dark and people would be mad if I had my lights on. So I can't really do that at night. I could do it during the day. Or do you mean like astronomy? Like, uh, what do you, I guess, I guess you have to explain a little bit more what you're, what you're talking about. The IR. Yeah, I could do the IR cam. Telescope setups. Then I could get sponsorships from telescope companies. There we go. Chris, same here. I'm also interested in how hydrogen becomes other elements. Yeah, same here, dude. A little bit, but I can't remember. <laughs> That's the other thing about being very curious is that sometimes things uh, kind of slip my mind about, I think we just went over it. I think there was a, I think there was just a thing, like a, uh, an article that I read about how hydrogen becomes other elements. But I'm definitely not an, uh, an astrophysicist or I don't know anything specifically about how that works. But I would love, to be honest with you, I would love to get more into astrophysics and like how the how things function. That's my next goal is to figure out how things function and how the uh, how the whole universe kind of works. You know, I mean, it, there's no way to really figure it out 100%, but it would be nice to have a really good background in all of that. There's probably a course... Um, let me think of where would be a good course. 
of how to figure out how hydrogen becomes other elements. I'll look into that for you. I'll see if I can find something about it. So that being said, I have to take off. I have a bunch of real life stuff to do. I want to say thank you to everybody who has been supporting this podcast. Yeah, Reddit's a good resource in general for a lot of that stuff. Um, if you like science documentaries, go to MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod. Let me post this up one more time. Check that out. Two months for free. Science documentaries, space documentaries, everything you'll ever need to know about everything ever is on MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod. You get two months for free. After that, you can do as little as $4.99 per month. And after that, uh, or during that, you can learn about everything on any device. There's over 1,500 premium documentaries. No ads, no interruptions, ultra HD. Every week they get new stuff. So check that out. Steven, I already I did the call-in thing, but uh, nobody called, unfortunately. I turned it off at the very end, though. Yeah, Blake, no problem, man. Thanks for those applause, Chris. Appreciate it. We got f- four new fans today. Cool, cool. 119 stars altogether, 259 likes. Thank you so much, everybody, for taking the time out of your day to spend it here. Steven, we'll do another call-in next time I do this. Wish I had more time, but I don't. I got to take the old man down to the store. He wants to go shopping. So, my friends, I'll see you soon and have a great rest of your day. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield. It impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. You know what's wrong with health and fitness? You weaponize it against yourself. Why didn't you go to the gym today? You're so lazy. Ah, why did you eat that? You have no self-control. Stop it. At Beachbody, we think training and caring for your body in a way that works best for you should be about loving yourself. Let us help you without all the judgment. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.